Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. The Nasty Cast might sound like a silly name for a show, but this is a serious fantasy baseball podcast. Okay, maybe not that serious, but these guys aren't just here to party. Here now are hosts Van Lee and Ron Rigney. Welcome, everyone, to episode 261, and that is an accurate number, I got it right, of the Nasty Cast. This is the, I didn't get the date right, June 8th edition of the show. Thankfully, I know what day it is. I'm your host, Van Lee, and I'm joined by a couple of savvy gents, the first savvy gent. I don't know if I want to call him tech savvy. I don't want to call him California dreams savvy, but he's savvy overall. It's Brian Vaughn. Welcome, Brian. I'm a regular Savio Vega over here. I'm so savvy. <laughs> you did lose to Stone Cold Steve Austin at that one pay-per-view. That yeah, are, you wearing, are you wearing a Caribbean strap around your wrist? Is that, that's what we want to know. Of course, I do every episode. <laughs> and you're apparently pretty good. Like people look back on your career fondly. Which people are get. pleased with what I was able to accomplish. And I was in a stable with The Undertaker at one point. And then also joining, uh, well, the Caribbean man himself here is Stone Cold Steve Austin. Ron Rigney, welcome to the show. I guess you're, hmm, I'm trying to think who you might look most like. Austin's close, but you don't quite have the goatee. Yeah. I don't know. He could make it happen, though. What professional yeah, wrestler do you think you most look like? And I would say that to say as much as Brian looks like Savio. <laughs> uh, I would say Coco Beware. <laughs> Perfect. Earthquake. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So I have a couple of fun facts, a couple of baseball-related ones, and then one that's completely not baseball-related, but a piece of information that I learned this week, completely useful. And I, you know, because I like to give you, I like to give the listeners things that they can use in real life. So my baseball-related stuff is I and, and I looked this up today. Did not know this in 2010 uh, on June 8th, Mike Stanton, who's now Giancarlo Stanton. And Steven Strasburg both made their major league debuts in 2010 on this day. I did not know that, with Strasburg striking out 14 in his debut, which I thought was kind of interesting. But the most interesting baseball fact that I found today was in 1909, June 8, 1909, Cack Henley of the Seals, I don't know from what city, the Seals, the, longest, the Seals, through the <laughs> longest complete game shutout in baseball history with a 24-inning one nothing victory over the Oakland Oaks and their starting wow. pitcher Jimmy Wiggs. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Now, that's not absurd at that's all. That's amazing. You no, know what? Not a bit. What There's a what his out pitch was. What was yeah. it? It was a baseball. I think I, I think it was the Ephus. It was the Ephus pitch. It was a baseball that wasn't even a full circle because they couldn't manufacture them back then. It was. It, it was actually forty miles an hour. It was actually. It was just a. It was just a really hard grapefruit that they had lying around. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so last but definitely not least, the, the most important piece of information that I learned this week is I one of my best friends is getting ready this weekend to do a actually compete in a bodybuilding show, and and as you know, competing in those things, you know, there's a lot of hair removal, there's a lot of tanning going on, and so I learned this week that for your spray tan because you wear the posing trunks, you know, you want to look super super tan, like absurdly tan, that. 
you can you, if you go about it, you have people that they hire for these shows to spray tan you backstage, and in order for you to get the complete spray tan, you have to do it in the nude. And one of your options is you can purchase something called a modesty sock that you can put <laughs> over your your junk, and then that way you you're not kind of showing all the goods off. So that, there you wow. go. If you're competing in yeah, if you're ever competing in a bodybuilding show, understand that you're going to have to purchase a modesty sock. I think the Red Hot Chili Peppers uh, used modesty socks. Yes, yes, yes. Or that was it. Blink One Eighty Two that ran through the streets nude in their they video. They did not have modesty oh. socks on. They <laughs> had regular socks on. I think on their feet. Oh, which, yes. which, which also, too, I think modesty sock would be an excellent band name as well. It would be, yeah. Or perhaps a minor league baseball team in the minor, the like, uh, I don't know the. What's a random town? Montgomery. The, the Montgomery Mo- Modesty Socks. Yeah, the <laughs> Madisonville nice. Modesty Socks, Modesto Modesty Socks. I wonder how much the going rate for hiring someone to spray tan you completely in the nude is. Like Brian, how much would I have to pay you to get you to do that? Five million dollars. <laughs> well, <laughs> that is the well, correct. Answer. Let me start the GoFundMe right now. <laughs> I who really has it bad is whoever has to do the shaving. Ooh, oh my. Okay, that's a good time to go ahead and get back on track, as if we were ever on track. No, we never got on tonight. Let's head that way and instead Things are talk, wild. <laughs> talk a little bit of baseball. Uh, just briefly, follow us on Twitter, at Butu Dynasty, B-O-O-T-U. That is our sister podcast, the Dynasty Baseball Podcast. We are at Nat Pod. I am at Mainly Van Lee. Ron is at The Real Made, M-A-D-A-Y. And Brian is at Loud Guitar Brian. Follow us on Twitter and go to iTunes, subscribe, Apple Podcasts, whatever. Leave us a rate and review. You know the drill. Send right. us letters. That's right. Telegrams. Old snail mail letters. Exactly. Send us a singing telegram. That'd be great. Some weird, sad little man singing nonsensical stuff to people he doesn't know. It's perfect. Now, let's get into the news and notes for today. There's some stuff to go over, and a little bit later on, we'll be playing a round of Is It Real? It's not even a real game, but hey, we're going to pretend like it is. The Royals' top pitching prospect, Jackson Kawar, made his debut Monday night. It is Tuesday we were recording. This will be out Wednesday. So there you go. He was torched for four runs and just two-thirds of an innings pitched. Uh, Brian, let's start with you. Is he worth stashing in a redraft league? What do you think you'd do the rest of the way if you do want to stash him? I'm not probably going to have him in a redraft league just because I think he could be up and down or and more down than up. The Royals are kind of testing out their options in the starting rotation. I do think he gets other shots, but I just, I don't know how much of an asset he's going to be right now. And I'm kind of in the camp that he might be more of a back end rotation or reliever guy than anything else. Anyway, once everything's said and done. Yeah. I don't think he's worth hanging on to in a redraft league. However, I do have a couple of leagues where I believe I have like four or five starters on the IL right now. So if you're in that situation, you might have to rely on him. I think he at least gets one more start right now. I, I, I don't think long-term you're going to really be too worried about him, but redraft leagues, I just don't think he's a really attractive option. He is scheduled to start on Saturday, June 12th, against the A's in Oakland Coliseum. I think I'd start him there just because everybody needs pitching, and that's a pretty good place to do it, even though the A's are a darn good offensive team. That's even a, though they have the Bash brothers. <laughs> that's a good park to, to pitch in. So I think I would go ahead and start him there. I wouldn't cut him quite yet. Uh, if you have the luxury of having him and having enough starters for this week or the, the weekend, then you know hopefully you can keep him on your bench and see what he does. But if we get another stinker out of him, it's fine. It's time to move on. 
who cares at that point. But I do think there's enough upside here that I'll see what he does his next start out before I make my final decision. Next up, Evan Longoria. What a stupid first name. He's out at least a month with a shoulder sprain. So with him being out, do you think there's anyone here on this very surprisingly successful Giants team stand to benefit from playing time? Are there any low ownership players that is on the team that you think might be worthy of an ad that they should have be owned at a much greater rate? Let's start with you, Ron. What do you think? The, well, the guy that you got slotted in right now on roster resources, Wilmer Flores, and I actually was able to add him in my 20-team league uh, a little bit earlier today. So if he's available there, he's got to be low-owned. And he's not necessarily somebody that's an ultra-sexy name. He's 240, 319, 368 on a season. Not going to hit you a ton of homers. But he does have that potential to get you double-digit homers, hit for an okay average, okay OBP. He's not going to kill you. But the thing that I added him for in the, the most in that league is he's eligible at first, second, and third in Yahoo. So I think that makes him a little bit more attractive. But he's probably the guy I think that stands to benefit the most, being a utility guy that actually has a role carved out for himself now. I think so too, and he always finds himself in that position. Flores does, one somehow being sort of a super utility guy for teams and having some fantasy relevance as a result. But there's no exciting player really uh, in the farm system of the Giants or on the Major League roster now, I think that stands to gain too much from Longoria going down. It is rough for the Giants because their success is partially built on old guys who we thought were past their prime having a little bit of resurgence, and Longoria has been one of them. So kind of a bummer for them, but not a Giants fan, so I'm fine with it. Uh, and Flora, and real quick, Flores, too, has hit cleanup in the, in the lineup as well, so he's going to be hitting in a pretty favorable spot in that lineup also. It's kind of dumb, but yes, he always winds up hitting cleanup on random teams for mm-hmm. some reason. Uh, Posey, Belt, Crawford, and Longoria are putting up like monster years. And then the next tier down for most players is like they're doing something well, but it's not quite otherworldly. The players like I was more are. excited about, yeah. the younger guys, e- even like Yastrzemski, Slater, uh, Talkman now, uh, they're not really doing as much. It's all these guys who we thought were done. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, the last I checked was just a couple of days ago when I wrote uh, a synopsis of some stuff. They were first in their division and had one of the best records in the game. They're still pretty darn good at this point, which is stupid and I'm sure irritates the hell out of you, Brian. But we'll see what happens the rest of the way with the Giants. Next up, top top prospect Jared Kalenic was straight up awful in his MLB debut. I went with awful this time, not terrible. And he (laughs) hit 096, 185, 193 with two homers and three stolen bases and 92 plate appearances and found his way back to the minors. Uh, let's go to you first, Brian. Is it worth holding on to Kalnick in a redraft league, or are you ready to just cut bait? In redraft, I would probably only hold him if my structure provides me the space and I'm in a deep enough league right now, just because I he's the top prospect in baseball, perhaps, and I don't think the Mariners are going to want to mess around. If they're sending him down, I don't think it's going to be for a week or two weeks to iron something out. They're going to need a little bit of time, and then he might be back up later, and it might not be immediate success at that point either I think long term he's still a star I just don't know that this season we're getting the smooth ascent into stardom we thought we might and it's just another example that this doesn't always go the way we we hope it does not everyone is Juan Soto out of the gate or whatever and he is still just 20 just 21 years old but I think in redrafts if you drafted guys like Kalenic Bobby Witt Jr., Mackenzie Gore, Wander Franco, 
you've got to hold on to him long term because that because you probably spent I don't want to say you spent a super high pick on him, but you definitely went after him to get him. You definitely had him targeted, and I think you have to hold on to him for the long term, barring an injury that you know if there are other or the team has said that they're not going to bring him back up. But I, I don't think necessarily. I mean, if somebody drops him and you have a bench spot, I mean, he's worth an add. I mean, you could see, you could see what it might get you. But I, you know, I think most most people's teams are in, you know, pretty dire straits as far as injuries and people on the IL. And you know, it's either I have teams that are either really really hurt or have been unscathed. And I saw so you may have a bench spot, you may not. I don't know. But I, I long term, not scared at all. But I, he's not a guy that I targeted for the short term for the, in a redraft anyway. I think I'd be fine cutting him if you don't have the spots. If you have a eight-man bench with three IL spots, that's plenty big enough to go ahead and hang on to him. So definitely do that. But I'm with you, Brian. I don't think he's going down for a week and then coming up. I think they're going to work on something. They want to see him hit you know, 400 over a two-week stretch before they really make a decision or anything like that. So Which he already that. kind of did. So, I mean, they're going to need to know, hey, you're ready now. Yeah, exactly. All right, this next guy we'll talk about, we can discuss very briefly because it seems like we talk about him every week. It's Keston Hyura. He has been sent back down again after another rough run. So has your opinion changed on him to this point, Ron? Are you ready to just say, I'm done with him until I see something good? Or is there still a reason to hold on to him at this point? I mean, I don't have him really anywhere. It's I'm starting to get a little bit concerned, but he's also a guy, too, that I think you if you were ever going to buy low on, now is the time to go buy low and see if you can get him for a cheap price. I think that, yeah, in redraft, you can be done here. The only format you're holding him in is Dynasty because there's no, as Ron said, now's the time to trade for him. It's not the time to trade him because you're not going to get anything back if you're asking for anything. So if you have the minor slot and you're in a dynasty league, sure. But in redraft, he's seems doomed to not even necessarily get much playing time when he's up. He didn't in this recent major league stint, and he kind of is stuck on the uh, the old Milwaukee elevator, <laughs> going between AAA and the majors. What do you think goes on on a Milwaukee elevator? Based on that voice. <laughs> I'm afraid it's some, uh, what's his name? The the guy who ate all the people. I'm afraid it's uh, <laughs> some. Dahmer. Oh, he was, he was wasn't in, he in yeah. Milwaukee? Yeah, yeah, he was. He was like, oh, hey, I'm over here working at the chocolate factory. You mind <laughs> if I drill a hole in your head and make you my sex slave? I'm only going to I'm only gonna pour a little bit of acid in it, just a little bit of that acid. I just got to try. The only thing I will take umbrage with that you guys said, in your particular, Ron, was if you think, if you're into him now, it's the time to trade for him. I don't think it's the time to trade for him. I don't want anything to do with him. I'm done with him. However, if you have him in your dynasty league, hold on. There's no reason to cut him. You've already lost the value. See if you can get re- recoup some of that value. In redraft league, I'm done. Cut him. Move on. Well, I, 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 shall, I shall shun your umbrage, Van. <laughs> <laughs> you do it. Do not send me to the Milwaukee elevator, but shun me all you'd like. All right, moving on to the next way. We're actually going to stick with the Brewers, who, by the way, have a terrible offense, but apparently one of the best pitching staffs ever because Freddie Peralta has come out, came a few outs shy of a no-hitter over the weekend, and the Brewers hurlers put up a phenomenal season. It's a 2.25 ERA, 26.1% K to walk rate. So I'll ask the question to you first, Brian. Is Peralta finally figuring out the way we thought he would, or is this just a lucky start to the season? What do you expect him to do the rest of the way? I think he's there. The The ratios look good. He physically looks good pitching right now. I mean, he's he seems pretty dialed in. And this is not 
too far off what a lot of people were calling for. I wasn't even necessarily as sold as many going in, even though I liked him to this season. But Peralta's been really good. And between he and Woodruff, I mean, that's uh, that is an amazing top of the rotation right now. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that I actually got in in the dynasty in our expansion draft. A guy that wasn't really owned by anybody. I traded in in my oldest dynasty. It's a ten teamer. I think I traded Cedric Mullins and Fran Mill Reyes for him very early in the season to throw him in my rotation. So twenty five years old, just striking everything out. Just and like I said, he was probably a pretty cheap ad for you. So if you were able to get him either off of waivers or draft him really, really late. It's probably one of the bigger success stories of the season. He has been unbelievable. And I'm kind of with you, Brian, in that, look, I was in on him, but maybe not as in as some people were. And then it turns out he's just phenomenal. One of the best players, best pitchers in the game at this point. And I do believe that's close enough to being accurate. I mean, the ERA metrics say, okay, he should be at 248 for XERA. 289 for FIP, 3.33 for XFIP. So maybe he's closer to a 3 RA than a 2 ERA, but that's still an ace, particularly in this day and age. And so let's see here. Freddie Peralta has a 225 ERA in 64 innings. Corbin Burns has a 197 ERA in 59 and a third innings. And Brandon Woodruff has a 142 ERA in 76 innings. Incredible. Wow. That's insane how good that rotation has been so far. Who cares who they have as the other two? Adrian Hauser can do whatever. These three guys have covered. <laughs> Bring back Ricky Bonus. <laughs> okay, let's move on to kind of an interesting topic. MLB has issued a decree that they are finally going to implement their plan to crack down on foreign substances being used by pitchers. The league hopes to have a plan in place within the next 10 days to two weeks. And in particular, there was a Sports Illustrated piece written by Stephanie Epstein and Alex Pruitt with some really inflammatory stuff in there pertaining to the gunk being applied to the ball. It's called like spider goo. I think is the term they're calling it now. Ugh. Yeah. Now, Twitter was awash with reports of StatCast data showing Trevor Bauer, Garrett Cole, other pitchers losing a ton of spin rate, even just this weekend. Now, whether there's a viable pattern to that or not, we won't really know until much later on. But we'll start with you, Ron. Is there anything you can do with this information? Do you think this is real? This will totally impact pitchers and we'll lose a bunch of uh, ERA or we'll give back a bunch of ERA? Is this just noise? How can we treat this in fantasy baseball to get an edge? I mean, I think there's something to it. Otherwise, it wouldn't be addressed we know how major league baseball waits about 20 25 years to get around to (laughs) doing anything about any cheating that's going on so i don't think right now it's going to really impact what i do and it just it just kind of like you said we're gonna have to see over the rest of the season just if it affects a lot of these guys i don't personally see it i think they still have to be pretty good at what they do we'll see i don't know the jury's still out on this one i don't know we're definitely going to have to just wait and see, largely. It's it's going to be messy, too, whatever implementation of a policy there is and enforcing it. Uh, I just can't imagine it goes too smoothly or is very predictable. So it's kind of hard to decide anything thus far, though we very well could see more pedestrian performances from guys who were just lights out before. But it's it's really hard to make that judgment call now. On the Launch Angle podcast with Jeff Zimmerman and Rob Silver, Jeff, who's a super smart, mathematically minded guy, ran some numbers and what he believes we'll see a change in if the spin rate does equal blank, whatever, is we'll see a third of a run jump in ERA and we'll see, uh, what was the other stat that was relevant? 
I can't remember. Either way, it's it's about a 33% change versus on what they have. So if you have a three, of a run, three R of a run, sorry. If you have a three RA, you're going to be at 3.33. So it's not a massive change, but it is a change. Um, I don't see how Trevor Bauer going out to pitch this past weekend would see the news that Major League Baseball is going to be cracking down two weeks from now, and he would suddenly go, oh, I can't do this anymore. And then he would stop doing it right then and no. there. I think he would still do it. And Rob Silver had a good point of there's a couple of ways we can categorize this. We have the guys who always do it every pitch. We have the guys who will only do it in the big moments because you don't necessarily have to have the best breaking pitch when you're throwing a fastball. We'll have the guys that never did it. We'll have the guys that might have done it. Anyway, the way it basically boils down to is if you fall in one of those categories, how worse do your stats get versus what they are? And it has to be done on an individual basis, and there's no true scientific quality to it. I believe Jeff's thing, but I could also see it being totally wrong once we go back and look at the uh, the actual numbers. We all know my thoughts on Trevor Bauer, and I hope he gets caught doing this because I think he is doing it, and I think we're going to see him regress into the pitcher that I've always said he is, which is someone who strikes out a lot of batters but has a just an okay ERA. I just don't think anything has changed yet. I think we might see a change when they implement this policy. The talk was uh, 10-day suspensions, which they handed out in the minors. A 10-day suspension in the majors, if you're making $65 million in a year like Trevor Bauer is, amounts to several million dollars. So that is a pretty big punishment to have levied at you. So maybe it will be enough to deter. But also my first instinct when I heard 10 games was like, who cares? That's one start if you get caught. And they're going to catch you every single time. So I don't know. We'll see. But you're right. It's going to be after the fact when we can look back and figure out what the change is. And can we address that, too? If you're going to suspend a pitcher for 10 days, can we have that be a little bit different as far as maybe uh, about three starts or something instead of just 10 days? Because yeah. like you said, if you suspend them for that and they miss one start, is it really affecting them that much? Yeah, and if you suspend a, a, pitch, a position player for 10 days, that's 10 games. Huge. That's a oh, huge. I feel like it Completely should be different. Uh, maybe 15 team games or something. That's Some, Something to ensure for sure that two starts are missed. So we'll see. Maybe three. We need to see what happens, what the actual punishment is, if it gets levied at players, if this is uh, a case like uh, steroids or PEDs were years ago, where even with the bans, we're talking oftentimes about players who are coming out of pure poverty, poverty yeah. we've never seen before. They don't care because if they, get there. if they get there because of PEDs or using substances or whatever, they're going to get a heyday no matter what, and it's better than what the life they had. So I don't think it would stop everything. These are never that big of deterrence, but maybe it'll stop Trevor Bauer from being such an asshat. We'll have to see. Cole today, Garrett Cole actually had a uh, uh, an interview where one of the reporters there asked him, point blank, have you ever used the spider goo or whatever it's called? His response. What do you think is an appropriate response to that? Uh, well, if you're Garrett Cole, probably yes. Or <laughs> no. That's it. That's all you need to say. Yeah. He gave a minute and a half long response. It was like watching a politician work. He was, was like, well, here's the, thing. <laughs> here's the thing. Yes, is what that means. What do you mean by substance? You know, that sort of bullshit. Yeah, so, spider goo. Are, are we talking about that spider from Donkey Kong for the I Super Nintendo. That's I don't even Kong. like the MCU. I don't even watch those movies. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that was interesting to see. Anyway, we'll see once all is said and done. So there you go. That's a good point to take a quick break. Let's do it. When we get back, we'll play, play, is it real? That live inside me. 
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to the show. I'm Van Lee alongside Ron Rigney and Brian Bond, and it's time to play Is It Real? What does that entail, you might ask? Well, <laughs> not really anything. We're just going to talk about baseball players. I have several players who are either performing exceptionally well or rather poorly based on how we thought they would perform at the beginning of the season, and we're going to determine whether or not it's, I guess this would be legit or not, now that I remember that was our old game. Well, we're going to play legit or not. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll determine whether or not these players are legit or not. Let's start with Braun on Braun on this one. Braun Strowman joining us from WWE doesn't have a job. About the same, maybe a little taller, but we'll uh, go maybe with Braun. he can join this podcast. <laughs> We're going to talk Cedric Mullins, a player you mentioned earlier. You trade him away. Are you disappointed you traded him away because he's hitting 314, 379, 511 with eight homers and nine steals on the season? Definitely a top player at this point. What do you think? Is this real? Or, or again, are you disappointed you traded him? What do we see here out of Mullins? Well, at the time I traded him because he, my, it's a, like I said, it's a 10 team league. It's my oldest dynasty. And I'm start I, at the time I was starting Soto, Acuna, and Yelich as my three outfielders. And since then I've traded Yelich. So now I'm starting Jordan Alvarez, Acuna, and Soto. So I'm all good with not having Cedric Mullins. Now, if I needed an outfielder, he would have been penciled right in there. But I, I think it's completely legit. I think we've seen enough of it to, to believe in it. We've, we saw a little bit of it last year towards the end of the season. He kind of came on. But I, I think that there's a couple things to like here. The strikeout rate is down about 7%. The walk rate has doubled. You know, we, we've got a sample size of almost 60 games here. So I think that you might see him cool off a little bit. I don't know if he's necessarily a 322, 395, 33 hitter for a full season. But I think that you're going to see a really solid season from him. And what better a player for – the Orioles to try to trade at the deadline and restock that farm system. Him and John Means, the way they're playing right now, could really do wonders for maybe getting them a couple guys that they can build around long term. And and maybe they think they can build around Cedric Mullins long term. I don't know, but he is 26. I don't want to say he's an old player by any means, but he, he could be somebody that could really give them a nice return and be really, really a hot commodity come trade deadline time to be at the top of somebody's lineup. I buy the Cedric Mullins business to the same degree, I think. I think we'll see some regression because, yeah, they, he has a 360 bat. <laughs> so there's going to be a little bit of that. But we have always liked him. He has a little bit of power and speed and, well, a lot really so far. But he has that 2020 potential. He's also about doubled his walk rate from where it's typically been and where it's been in recent seasons. He's showing a more mature approach and using that to enhance the uh, the toolsy skill set that he has. So Cedric Mullins, he kind of hits all the buttons for me. Anybody that is double-digit homer and steel threat and kind of can do a little bit of everything else, that's very appealing. I definitely buy this. I think maybe there's a tiny bit of, um, what's the time I almost said, redaction, regression coming. 
However, I don't think there's a whole lot. And honestly, I see an awful lot of Ramon Laureano here in Cedric Mullins. And Ramon Laureano is considered an elite baseball piece. Now, Ron, you said he's 26 and yes. might be a good trade option. I don't see his contract status here. That's okay. I think if he's under contract for a couple of years, there's no way in hell I'd trade him. If he's up maybe this year, maybe next year, okay, I could see trading him for some prospects. Otherwise, it's still young enough that I would uh, hang my Orioles hat right on this player. So I have an Orioles hat. He, he, is, he is actually going to be a free agent after this season. So, okay. So yeah, no, great to trade him. <laughs> you don't need him, yeah. Orioles, but yeah, I think he'll be a really nice piece for somebody. I think he's played himself in a nice contract. I buy it hundred percent. Steals are hard to come by and he can steal too. On the pitching side of things, Kevin Gaussman has put up 77 and two thirds innings, a one two seven ERA, 10.89 K per nine and 1.85 walks per nine. He has been a straight up ace. Brian, is this the real Kevin Gaussman? Do we think he's an ace? Do we think he's a four ERA pitcher? How should we be treating Gaussman going forward? I think he's a top end pitcher, and I think he has been too for a little bit. For a couple years now, the strikeout rate has gotten higher, his command has gotten better, and his velocity has leveled back out at its at a very good point, uh, close to ninety five miles an hour on the fastball. I. I really think it just took time for him, for Gaussman, and for getting out of Baltimore, where a lot of pitchers really, really, really struggled. So he seems to have found himself, even a couple years ago, he had an ERA north of five, and you look at the supporting numbers, and his luck was just atrocious. The uh, The predicting indicators are just a lot better. So I'm, I think we've seen enough now that I don't think there's any way his ERA is uh, south of two at the end of the season. But I, I really do think he's a guy to have be a staple of your rotation. Somebody with an ERA maybe in the threes. Yeah, it, it's a case of the Giants doing Giants things again, and I don't know what it is about these guys that they go there and they have these, you know, these re- career resurgences. I guess you could say. And you mentioned the Orioles, the Orioles pitchers. He's definitely no Brian Matthews, that's for sure. But I think that I think that he could, like you said, Brian. I think you could see his ERA balloon up a little bit. But when you when you talk about it ballooning up from a one two seven, I don't think it's going to be out of control. And like you said, when you look at look beyond his ERA, a lot of his numbers are really really solid. And 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 he reminds me kind of like you know the Mike Miners and the Lance Lynns of the world. These guys that have figured it out, you know, heading into age thirty, and they're still kind of sticking around. You know, I have Lance Lynn in the league, and he I didn't realize until the other day he's 34 years old, and he's pitching lights out. So it's its cool to see these guys get to a, a stage in their career where they, they do live up to that potential, even if it is kind of late. But, I mean, he's giving you double-digit K per nine. He's only allowing a half a homer per game. He's only got uh, he's got a two twelve BABIP, so that might be something to look at. And he's stranding a bunch of guys, so he's doing everything right. And, and you know, if you kind of like we talked about with Freddie Peralta, if you spend a later round pick on him, you, you know, you're really reaping the benefits. I believe he is a top ten pitcher. I believe he'll draft be drafted as a top ten pitcher next year, and I think he'll produce as a top ten pitcher. I fully buy into this now, and it's taken me a little while because I kind of bought in when he went to the bullpen that year and started to look really good. I think 2019. Last year he pitched what he did, and I thought, okay, you know, maybe he's capable of doing this, but I buy in now. I've just seen it. It's almost assuredly because of his development of that split-fingered fastball. Yeah, he's throwing that a ton now. And it works. It's just throwing hitters off just enough that it makes the other pitches play up, and it's just an excellent pitch. So I think 
as you said, Brian, leaving the Orioles was huge. Developing the split finger was huge. And we're at the point where as long as he can throw innings, we've only seen, what, 186 and two-thirds is high rate in 2017, 183 the following year. We've never seen any more than that. If he can do that every year, then he'll be worth it. We have to see him get to that number of innings pitched. And by all accounts, he should be able to do it this year, 77 and two-thirds already. And I know he was dealing with some sort of injury recently, but it seems like it's not too big of a a deal. Oh, yeah, he pitched actually two days ago and was amazing. So there you go. I really buy it. I believe in Kevin Gaussman going forward. Back on the hitting side of things, we have Brandon Crawford of the Giants, who is hitting 262, 351, 537 with 12 home runs and a couple of stolen bases too, three stolen bases. Let's start with Ron on this one. What the hell's the deal with Brandon Crawford here? I mean, he's hit more home runs this year than in the past two years full season. So what what, what the hell's the deal? Is he going to hit 30 home runs this season? I mean, it, it's, it's it's not out of the realm of possibility just based upon the tear that he's on. I don't know necessarily if, if I think that he is a 30 home run guy. He's definitely not. But we he has had a season where he did hit – he did hit the 20s. So – it's it's definitely possible, but it's it's yet again it's it's something about these these Giants guys that they just perform and 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 I almost look at Brandon Crawford kind of in the same lens through the same lens as Jed Lowry. It seems like Jed Lowry comes on and you know we add him for a, a good you know two three week stretch and then he goes back to waivers and I almost kind of feel like that's maybe what you're going to get out of Brandon Crawford. I think he's going to cool off a little bit. You know he's a career two fifty hitter. Like, like I mentioned before, his career high in homers is 21. So ride, ride the hot hand while it's while it's working well for you now. He's walking 11% of the time, too, for a 351 OBP. You got to like that in just about any league that you're in. Crawford, you, I had the same note that 21 homer season, he did this kind of. He got an absurd streak and looked like he'd taken a step forward. He was a lot younger then, too, so it was a little more believable. I'm not buying – I didn't buy it then, and I'm not buying it now. That's what I'll – say about Crawford I think this this run's going to inflate his counting stats it's going to look like a nice season but he hasn't changed the hitter he is fundamentally and uh, I don't think I we've already seen him cool down a little bit and I think we can continue to see that until he's more Brandon Crawford than peak Carl Crawford <laughs> <laughs> I don't see the power sustaining at this rate and I mean that's the obvious thing to say but He's hitting 262. He's walking a little more than he usually does. I think that could be just a change. So maybe the walk stays up there and he becomes a pretty darn good OBP guy. I think that uh, Jared, Jared, yeah, Lowry. No. What the hell's Jed. his first name? Jed Lowry. Wow. I went Jared because I'm like, oh, a normal human first name. <laughs> no, it's Jed. I think the Jed Lowry comp is a really, really good one. He's 34. The BAPIP isn't absurd. I mean, I guess the home run for fly ball rate isn't that crazy. So maybe he winds up with 25 home runs at the end of the season and puts up a year that anybody who had him is going to be thrilled to have had him for. Joe Musgrove uh, was kind of considered a potential ace by an awful lot of people. I liked him a lot for years. Didn't think he'd be quite this good, but he's been this good for quite a while now. He has thrown 65 and two-thirds innings, 12.2 K per nine, 1.78 walks per nine, and a 2.33 ERA. Uh, let's go to Ron on this one first. Is uh, Musgrove an ace, much like we anointed Kevin Gaussman an ace, or is he playing above his head at this point? I think so, and it's it's another case of kind of like we talked about with, with Gaussman. It's, you, you look past that four ERA, 
you know, the XERA and the XFIP have liked him the last few years. You know, he's been a double-digit K for nine guy the last couple of seasons. I know we've talked about him on here before, just how we, we, we do like him. And I, and I think it's also, too, it's, it's, it comes down to that change of scenery as well. You know, you, we see get guys get traded out of Pittsburgh. We see guys get traded out of these losing scenarios. And I, I think it really will do wonders for you, you know, if you get traded to a contender. And that's what we're seeing this year. So I definitely buy into Joe Musgrove. Absolutely. He might be the guy that I have on the most teams this year. And I, I've liked him just forever, as I know we all have. It's really rewarding to see him finally put it all together and have the results to measure up to the reputation. He's he's looked just great so far. Yeah, I buy this. Uh, I, I don't know if I hmm, – who do I buy this more? I think I buy Gaussman more because he has more flat stuff. He's more of a guy who can blow it past you and get the strikeouts, whereas Musgrove's more Bieber-like. And, I mean, that's a great comp to have. But he's more repertoire, a little less fastball. So I do think the regression that could come for Musgrove might be a little worse than what could come for Gaussman. But overall, I would say the same thing about both. I think they're both top ten pitchers, and they're going to produce like it. So I like them both an awful lot. And, of course, Musgrove has the no-hitter this year, which means nothing because everyone throws no-hitters this year. I've got one. (laughs) Let's see. We've got Mookie Betts with the Dodgers not performing quite as well as we would have hoped. He's hitting 258, 374, 442 with just five homers and five steals in his full season so far of 231 plate appearances. What do you think, Brian? Uh, is Betts not quite who we thought he was anymore? Or is this just one of those patented blips in his radar where he just doesn't quite do what he can do? But then we'll get back to it. I think it's just a blip. We've seen blips from him before and from virtually everyone, but the track record with Betts is so strong that you know you're getting a good player no matter what iteration you get or if he has a little bit of an off year. And you can almost even tell that in terms of, oh, he's uh, he has a low batting average. Batting average is notoriously fluky that way. Uh, he's still drawing his walks. He still has a slugging percentage that's by no means embarrassing for where his batting average is at. And he still has the five homers and five steals, even with slumping. So uh, he's still one of the best players in baseball, in my opinion. Yeah, he's fine. He'll pick it up. He'll get back to where he's he's supposed to be. And, you know, Brian, Brian said essentially what I was going to say also. We've seen these low spots from him before. And, and who knows, maybe this could be a guy, too, that you might be able to go and potentially buy a little lower than you, than you might, especially in a batting average league. But I don't think you're going to see him hit 258 at the end of the season. I think you'll look back and maybe the counting stats might be down just a tad, but I, I think you'll still have a season for Mookie Betts. It's still going to be, I don't know, maybe it might be a little bit off from that first round value that you were wanting to get, but I don't think it's going to be too far off. I mean, nothing looks different here. Everything looks like he's doing what he's doing. Maybe the exit velocity is down a tad. Maybe his barrel percentage is down a tad. But it's all within respectable levels. So I fully expect him to get back to doing what he does best. He's still a great fantasy player. He's just 28 years old. The only thing I could say is if this continues and he comes out at the end of the year and he's like, you know, I dealt with a sore wrist all season, I would not be surprised because the power sapped a little bit. But overall, I I don't even think that's the case. I think he'll just get back to being awesome. Let's move to Eduardo Rodriguez with the Boston Red Sox. He's put up 58 innings this season, just a lousy 5.59 ERA, 10.09 K per nine, and 2.17 walks per nine. So he's still striking out batters. He's still not walking too many of them, but that ERA is really, really bad. Brian, we'll toss it to you first. Is this just an unlucky streak, 
I mean, he is giving up way too many home runs, 1.40 home runs per nine, or is he just not as good of a pitcher as we thought? I think there's a lot of bad luck here because a lot of the indicating elements of Rodriguez this season are that he's better than he's ever been. (laughs) But more balls have gone out of the yard in his 58 innings. He has only a 66% strand rate and a BABIP of 369 against him. So I, I, this is just horrible luck so far, and I would try to buy him, if at all possible right now, while his ERA looks ridiculous. Yeah, exactly the argument I was going to make with the BABIP and the strand rate, and his XFIP is only 3.24, XERA at 3.56, and so everything, like you said, Brian, it looks like he's doing everything that he can do uh, to, to be good. He's averaging 10 Ks per nine, so... Not not a guy necessarily that that jumps off the page at you. He's always had an ERA and a high threes, which could be really useful depending on where you drafted him at. So yeah, he's another guy too that you know people might see that ERA and and might give you you know a, a share of him for a little bit cheaper than, than you might have paid you know last season about this time. The only thing I'll add because because I agree with both of you pretty much one hundred percent is that the fastball velocity is down a tad. I think it's a little over half a mile an hour. Not enough to be like, oh, my God, something's wrong. But he was never really throwing the ball all that hard, averaging 93 miles an hour. So maybe that plays into it a little bit. I don't think that's the case. That's just what I would come up with if you forced me to argue against him. (laughs) I instead buy what you were saying, what you guys were saying, in that, hey, he's been super unlucky. I own him in the, um, uh, the podcast league. And in fact, I'm going to pull it up. I was in first place the other day in that league. So, ha I finally <laughs> take it first. We'll see if I'm still there. But no, I buy him. I'm not going to cut him. Yes, I'm in first by half a point. Take that, team Canada. Suck it. <laughs> My team is a flaming bag of poo in that league. Oh, you're just in 13th. That's okay. Yeah, 13th. It is not good. You are ninth. You fell to ninth. It's but, not been going well. They're very banged up right now. Yeah, so we'll see if you can get healthy. It's still early, but I'm in first, so I win. Give me all the prizes. Anyway, I buy... Eduardo Rodriguez, I think he'll come back to doing what he does. Okay, back on pitcher. Nope, hitting side of things. Juan Soto, who is a top, what, three pick this offseason, is hitting 273, 402, 435 with seven homers and one steal. And if I would have told you four years ago that Juan Soto in 2021 would be doing (laughs) that, you'd go, holy cow, he must be really good. That's incredible. The problem is, is we're used to 351, 490, 695 that Juan Soto hit last year. So, uh, Ron, go first. What do you think? Is is Soto coming back to earth after some big seasons? Is there more to come? What's the deal with Soto here? He's not quite doing what we would have hoped. I mean, maybe maybe a little bit. I, I think it's a little bit foolish with a guy that's only 22 years old to, to look at that second season and think that you're going to get that every single year when we haven't seen more of, of what he's able to do. I, I think that he settles in somewhere between that 22 and 34 homers, and that's kind of what he is. We know he doesn't really steal a lot of bases. So I, I think that you'll see him average-wise maybe hit in that 280 to 290 range. I don't think it's too far off of, of what, you know, maybe maybe Steamer is predicting for him to kind of be what he ends up with for the season. And plus, too, that, that team, is not they're not playing very good either. So you're not going to see him probably have 110 RBIs and 110 runs like you saw in 2019. They're just not playing very well. They're not very good overall. And I think that's definitely going to affect him a little bit. Because I think they're kind of at that point where you're going to maybe see a rebuild come sooner rather than later. I look at Soto's season so far, and what I basically just see is missing power. And he's still getting on base a ton. 
he's basically hitting for average. I mean, it's down a little bit, but like you know, batted ball luck can change that. And the fact that Soto has battled injuries all season long thus far, and he's had a couple of stints on the IL. So I'm not weighing this a whole lot. I'm just looking at it and saying to myself, the underlying skills are absolutely still there. And while he probably isn't going to have an 1100 OPS every season, (laughs) I do think that we're consistently going to see a guy with a 400 OBP and 550 slugging, not 430. So I think that'll get itself back on track with health and time. Yeah, you said the big thing I was going to say, which is he's been banged up all year. I don't think we're suddenly looking at the decline of 20-year-old Juan Soto or whatever. It'll come back. Now, does it come back this year in full swing? Well, that depends on health. So we'll see if he gets fully healthy, is back to 100%. If he isn't, he still (laughs) – he has a 400 OBP. He's a 400 OBP player with like 25 homer pace or something. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know what it would be, 20. If he weren't the third overall pick, <laughs> yeah. people would be thrilled with what he's doing. So, yeah, don't don't trade Juan Soto. This isn't the beginning of the end. He's still an awesome, awesome baseball player. Okay, Kyle Hendricks has 68 and two-thirds innings this season. Just a 4.59 ERA. He is striking out 7.34 per nine, which that's what he does. He doesn't strike out a whole lot. And just walking 1.83 per nine. So still doing kind of what he does. Not striking out a whole lot, but also not walking a whole lot. It's just the ERA has ballooned. We Let's see, 2018, he had 344 ERA, 2019, 346, 2020, 2.88. So he's been good in the ERA department up to this season. Brian, is uh, the fact that he's a soft tosser catching up to him, or is this just a blip in the radar and he'll be back to his 3.5 ERA before long? It's really tough. I've always been so skeptical of Kyle Hendricks because he doesn't miss many bats. And I finally have caved and and taken the stance of like, nope, this guy just is good. And then he has this season. And this is the ultimate fear with Hendricks. He 22% of the fly balls hit against him are leaving the yard. And that is not going to continue all season long. So things will begin to heal. However, again, like this could go at any point for Hendricks or at least get worse. And we're kind of seeing what happens when you don't miss bats. You don't have as many outs. You don't have as many things that can go right for you. You have to be on all the time. And uh, for Hendricks, it's been a struggle so far. So I overall, I like the odds of him rebounding to being a totally useful rotation piece. I, I will say, though, that I'm not shocked that this is happening either. And you, and you talked about the home runs. You know That translates to giving up over two for nine innings. That's affecting him. His BABIP is up 40 points from last year. The strand rate's about the same. Ground ball percentage is, is way down. So you referenced it there too as well, Brian, with the home runs. So that's that's kind of what's killing him. If he can start to keep the ball in the yard, I think he can end up being a useful piece. But I'm kind of with you right there as well. He's a guy that I got super late in a lot of drafts that I was really stoked to get because, you know, he looked like he was going to lead that Cubs rotation and just be a really solid kind of back-end fantasy piece. And it's just kind of like, you know, my stance with Steven Strasburg, the one year that I take him, he's out pretty much the entire season. And then, you know, I've, I've sworn off him uh, ever since then. So so we'll, we'll see what happens here. I'm not too optimistic that, that it, it gets way, way better. But if he can cut the home runs, that's obviously going to help everything else quite a bit. When your home run per nine rate is higher than your walks per nine rate, <laughs> that is fascinating. I don't think I've seen that in a while. I think he's 
due for a bit of a bounce back, but XFIP, which XFIP's whole thing is taking home runs into account and saying this should or shouldn't have been a home run. So that's kind of important in this case, considering how many home runs he's given up. Still says he has a 4.15 ERA or should have one. So ultimately, there seems to have been a bit of regression. But that said, no one drafted him really expecting a 2.88 ERA, I don't think. So I think you just kind of hold on and take what you get because it'll be better. It just may not be elite going forward. We'll see because nothing else is different. The velocity is the same. Pitch mix is the same. He's, for the most part, the same guy. Still named Kyle. Still named Kyle for some reason. Still a Cub. Has been for 3,000 years. No, just 2014. <laughs> it feels like he's been there forever. He's just it been really the Cubs does. pitcher. Okay, and the last offensive player on the day, we have Nelson Cruz. And Cruz is hitting 280, 355, 503. Well, why are we talking about him? He's doing exactly what we thought he'd do. Okay, slight, tiny, slight difference here. Just 10 homers and one steal. Quote, just 10 homers. In 2019 to 2020, he had 12.5 plate appearances per home run. This year, he's up to 20, and that's a pretty marked difference. So ultimately, he's still playing well, but Brian, is he? he's certainly regressed from what he had done. Is this a real regression, or do we expect him to heat up as the summer comes along? It's really hard to tell, but he is in his 40s now, so it could happen at any time. And sometimes these things happen pretty swiftly. Gruz has still been very solid. I also noticed uh, he's hitting the ball in the air at about the same rate. They're not leaving the park at the same rate. It's his worst home run per fly ball rate since 2012. It's like the opposite of Hendricks. Uh, He also has the worst line drive percentage of his entire career. So the contact he's making right now just isn't quite as solid. And I don't know if that necessarily portends anything or if he just is off to – a slightly shaky start by his standards. Babbitt's down about 55 points too. So that it's a, it's a little bit of bad luck, but, but when you look at what he did over the course of the shortened season last year, it's almost identical to where he is right now. So it's it, it, except for the strikeout rate, he is striking out a lot less this season, but I, I think it's fine. I mean, you're still getting a, a solid slash line from him. You're still getting, a decent amount of power from him, but I mean, it is, you know, it is something where, like you said, Brian, he is 40. I also am 40 and I have definitely experienced some regression myself. (laughs) Don't say that, Ron. You're as strong and beautiful as you always were. (laughs) Thanks buddy. Okay. So Nelson Cruz here. I don't think it's time to bail. I think he's obviously still playing a hell of a good game of baseball. And he's not on the IL. He's not on the IL. He's been healthy all year. I think he's probably traded because the Twins are just straight up awful this year, which is bizarre. I did not expect that. So I think he gets traded at some point, and who knows, maybe that boosts him up. Minnesota's cold all the time, so maybe he just needed it to warm up a little bit before we got the home run rate back to what it could be. Either way, when I see a 40-year-old man start to do this, I have to say – Okay, there's my sign. Here's my one little sign that says maybe you should back off this guy a little bit. So I think I'm ready to be out simply because of his age. And I'm fine if that's the wrong answer. If he plays three more years and hits 40 home runs every year and bats 300 every year, okay, that's on me. But I'm not going to pay the price I did prior to this season anymore because I've seen the tiny blip. This is the little thing that says, okay, maybe it's going to happen. It's on me. If that doesn't happen, we'll see. He'll be, a, he'll be a Tampa Bay Ray before you know it because we love those first base DH older oh, yeah. types. So he, he'd be a great fit. And plus that humidity will be, do wonders for his old bones. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Keep his skin it's nice and It's where people soft. go to retire too. <laughs> there you go. 
All right, last player of the day. It is a pitcher. It's Luis Castillo. Oh, he has a vaunted history on this show. Luis Castillo has 58 and a third innings this season, a 6.63 ERA. That's not good. 8.18 K per nine and 3.70 walks per nine. He's been worse in pretty much every metric this season. Uh, Ron, you're one of those who is pro Castillo for a long time. So tell me, is this uh, is, is this the talent disappearing or is this just a struggle? Is there a reason for this to be happening? What do we expect him to do the rest of the year? I, he flat out sucks. He's killing me in a couple of leagues. At least I don't have him as my ace. Uh, like uh, former host Nate Dawkin and I were talking about the other day, he has him as, as an ace in a couple of leagues. So I, 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 I don't know. I want, I, I'm inside. I want him to succeed and do well just because I'm, you know, one of his, his, his champions, but at the same time, he, he's been so bad. I, I, what I want to focus on though, is as we know, you know, the, the ERA has been out of control. He's had starts where he's allowed eight runs, six runs. He's actually had a couple where he's allowed eight runs in, in about three and a third or three and two thirds innings. I, I am a little bit optimistic because when you look at his last four starts, he had a little bit of a blow up against Milwaukee, he allowed five run runs in five innings. But the start before that against a pretty hot hitting Giants team, struck out 11 through five innings, allowed three runs. If you look at his last two starts, he's only allowed a combined three runs. The strikeouts are down a little bit, so maybe he's trying to pitch a little bit instead of just trying to strike guys out. I, I have optimism that he's going to get it together, but you know when you have that many starts that are blowups, when you're still sitting with a ERA that is over six and a half, and your K per nine is down, the the walks are up. I, I mean, I almost wonder maybe is he trying to pitch through some sort of an injury? I don't know exactly what we can attribute this to does have a 350 Babbitt that's not helping him either. But there's a lot going wrong here for Luis Castillo. I could go on and on, but he just flat out has sucked. He has been really rough, and I've never been particularly pro-Castillo uh, I mean, I, or anti-Castillo. I just have always found him a bit of a second-tier starting pitcher in a way. And this year he's been like a ninth-tier starting pitcher. He's just been so rough. Basically, nothing's gone right, and his velocity is the same. His pitch mix is the same. You, I don't know what's wrong. I mean, he just he's missing fewer bats. He's walking as many guys as he ever has, and he's getting absolutely torched. If you're on base, you will score. I think it will certainly improve, and he's going to be viable. But it has been brutal so far. I don't have him in any leagues. I think he's shown enough recently where if he was cheap, I would target him at this point. But not thinking he would be an ace. He has a 56.1% left on base percentage. That's Yeah, that's crazy. Awful. That, I don't think I've seen one that low in this many innings in a long time. 350 BABIP, which is way too high. As you said, the velocity is the same. The pitch mix is the same. Everything says to me that well, he's the same guy he's always been. I also have never really been that enamored with the same guy he's ever been. So I'm inclined to say that. I just don't know that he's going to continue striking out batters at that 11.4 K per nine rate he had last year, or even 10.6 that he had in uh, 2019. He was more of a, you know, 8.75 2018, 9.87 in 2017. And that's kind of what held him back as an ace. He was a sinker ball guy that, you know, pitched a little bit more to contact. He's walking too many this year. He's giving up too many home runs. He's better than this, but I don't think he's an ace. I think he's still a low to mid threes ERA guy, which is way valuable in this 
day and age, but I also don't buy strikeouts returning quite to the extent that they've been in the last few years. So I don't know at this point, stay the course because I don't think you can trade him for anything of value because he's been that bad and he's going to be better. But overall, I'm just not that impressed with his body of work going forward. And I'll probably have him off my radar after this year, barring something crazy happening the rest of the way. Okay. That's going to do it for today's show. Thanks to everyone for tuning in. Anything else before we get out of here, gentlemen? Well, my strand rate is actually rather average. I just wanted to contribute that. Is it because you often pitch in the Milwaukee elevator? I I take the the Milwaukee elevator to get to the stadium. Oh, the stadium on the roof of the building. Of course, that's where they're all located. (laughs) Yeah, that's well. well, Yeah, that's how the Milwaukee stadium works anyway. (laughs) But, But I have I have been told that your exit velocity is in a career high this year, though. It is. Yeah, I'm torching the ball. He got right out of that elevator so fast. (laughs) That's how fast he got out. Okay, so that's it. Thanks again for everyone for listening. Thanks to Ron and Brian. And for these guys, I'm Van Lee. We'll catch you next time. And may the fantasy gods shine upon you. Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.